continuing a theme, obviously, on prayer. Uh, we've moved on from the model prayer, and for a while we've moved on from the uh, Sermon on the Mount completely. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at praying Scripture. Now, this is going to lead into, but after about a seven-week break, it's going to lead into another series on prayer that we're going to do uh, for about six weeks. But that's going to be after our series on the gospel that we do as we are training people to take the gospel to our community with Can We Talk. So, so we're going we're gonna to hit prayer today one more time. I'm going to be asking you, starting next week, to pray specifically for our Can We Talk training that's going to be coming up, the, the, uh, specific, more, even more specifically, the, the lives that will hopefully, prayerfully, be changed because we're taking the gospel to our community. And then uh, as we do that, we'll look at gospel. Then we'll come back and we're, we're going to do some more on prayer uh, after that series. But this morning, I felt it was a good time to, to talk to you about praying Scripture. Now, this is going to be a little different sermon for me. We are going to look at some scriptures, and I'm going to preach some Bible, but it's, 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 um, it, it's just a different kind of, it's a more of a teaching explanation type sermon rather than uh, what I would normally call a, a preaching sermon. So it, it, if I stumble and, and struggle with it, well, you know why, because it's a little out of my comfort zone. There's also uh, an element here of, of, of personal uh, uh, exposure that is, is a little more difficult because at the end, I'm going to demonstrate praying Scripture to you. So that's going to be a little, uh, little harder on me to, to stand up here and, and pray a personal, a completely personal prayer in front of you. So, you know, bear with me on this. But I think it's valuable. I had a, a, we had a pastor that, that taught us this uh, in a very similar fashion um, years ago. And I think it's incredibly valuable. It's something I don't do enough of. Uh, I tend to do my Bible reading and pray, and that's what most of us do if we do it at all, right? Um, but what this discipline will teach us is how to do both at the same time, and it's not a time management thing. Oh, finally, I get to do both of them at the same time. I cut my quiet time in half. No, that's not, that's not the point. That's not what we're doing. It is, as we're going to see, it's, it's very much a, 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 dr uh, a drive behind our prayer. It's a, it's a focus to our prayers that I think will, will help us a great deal. But just to look at some, uh, some background things about praying Scripture, Scripture is God's Word to us, right? Can we, can we agree with that? It is all God's words. Uh, it, it is Him talking to us. Uh, other, some people have described it as God's love letter to us. It's, it's, it's many things, but it is, if nothing else, regardless of the genre, whether it's a narrative or poetry or wisdom or prophecy, it's still God's words to us. And as we look at it, we see that it is instruction for life as we read it. Now, sometimes it might seem like, okay, where, well, how are we supposed to, how's that story about the Samson? How is that instruction for life or some other things? How, how is that? Well, remember that, as I've told you before, the Bible is, even if there's not a direct do this, don't do that in Scripture, it is all foundational that we need to build our lives upon. Even those parts that we think, how does that apply? It may not 
directly right now be something I can put into practice, but it does lay a foundation, right, of, of, of Scripture for our lives. And the, it's just chock full of foundational things like prayer. We can go back, we can read the many prayers of, of uh, especially the Old Testament uh, guys, the, the Old Testament prophets. And this morning, you can go ahead and turn there because it's, you know, it's one of those books that's a little harder to find. We're going to go back to Habakkuk uh, that we were in, uh, I guess, a couple of summers ago. We went through Habakkuk. We're going to go look at him again because his entire book, his entire, uh, the whole prophecy is a prayer. It's a conversation between Habakkuk and God. So we get to see a very interesting uh, view of prayer, but we are also going to see that Habakkuk quoted a lot of Scripture in his prayer, a lot of uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Job, other places we're going to look at. So Scripture is God's Word to us. We know it's instructions for life, including how to pray. Then if, if that's the case, then isn't our praying for God's will, because ultimately that's what we're praying anytime we pray, right? Pick your topic, pick what your, your need is of the week or of the day. What you're praying for is God's will. At least that should be what you're praying for. God, this is what I see. God, this is what I think should happen. God, this is how I would do it if I were in charge. But I'm not, you are, so your will be done in this situation. That should always be our prayer. If that is the case, then we understand God's will how? By Scripture. God will never lead us to do something. It will never be God's will for us to do something that violates Scripture. Ever. If God says, don't do this, He will never tell us in prayer, okay, now do this. It just doesn't work that way. So we have this basis, we have this foundation then for our prayer life and praying for God's will of, of seeing over and over and over in the lives of saints and sinners. Of course, they're all sinners, right? But, but saints and non-saints, over and over and over, we see what God's will is. So we know going in that, God, I pray, I pray that you make me rich, but not my will but yours. You know, and we may have a good idea looking at, you know, numerous uh, biblical examples that poverty might be God's will for us, or maybe wealth is God's will for us, but either way, we want what he's doing. So if that makes sense to you, then it should also make sense then that we pray back to God what he said to us, right? So think about it. Scripture is God's word, when we pray, we're praying for God's will, so we find God's will by going to Scripture. Therefore, when we pray, we should repeat Scripture back to Him because He's already told us. It, 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 it almost, and, and, and not even almost, it's, it's kind of like your child coming to you and saying, Daddy, can I do blank? And your response being, didn't we talk about that already? Yes, sir. What did we say? You, I can't. Well, that's what we do if we pray Scripture. I mean, we, we will pray as we read through Scripture and we pray it. Our prayers, our thoughts, our, our goals, our habits, our, our life will begin to be shaped not just by our desires and what we want in prayer, but by the actual words that we are praying. Very focused in our prayer. But 
We're going to look at some of that a little bit more here in a a few minutes. Let's look at Habakkuk first. Habakkuk chapter 1. We're going to really be focused on verses 2 and 12 and 13. Those are the the three verses we're going to focus on. But I'm going to read the whole thing to you uh, up through... Uh, I may read the whole chapter just to give you, the, uh, give you an idea. Let me remind you about Habakkuk, though. Uh, Habakkuk it looks around him. It's right before the, he would be a 6th uh, century, century B.C. prophet. He, he would have been around uh, bef- right before the Babylonians came in and took uh, took away the children of Israel and took them into exile into Babylon. That happened in 586 B.C. So he would have been somewhere a few years before that. He looks around as a prophet of God. He looks around Jerusalem. He looks around Israel. And he sees nothing but corruption, sinfulness. He doesn't see people following God. And he prays this prayer in verse 1, uh, or chapter 1, uh, first verses. A prayer that is interesting. It, it, is, it is a prayer from Habakkuk, but is actually a prophecy given to Habakkuk by God. So this very prayer that Habakkuk prays is the prayer that God tells Habakkuk to pray back to God, and then write it down as a prophecy as well. So not only is, do we, can we pray Scripture, but here is Scripture that is a prayer, but also a prophecy. If you got lost in all that, blame me, uh, I guess, and my inability to explain it. But that's really what it is. It's almost circular. Habakkuk prays, God says pray. So Habakkuk prays and God says pray. And really, that should be our lives anyway. But he's, he's praying to them. Verse 2, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. So right here in this section, Habakkuk is praying. He's talking to God. God, look around. Do you not see what's going on in your city, among your people? What are you going to do about it, God? You need, to, you, you need to do something about these people. And God answers in verse 3, or rather verse 5. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for something has taken place in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They're fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. uh, Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. So God answers Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, God, what are you going to do about these evil people in Jerusalem? What are you going to do about the sinfulness that is around us? And God says, well, I'm going to destroy everybody. I'm I'm going to wipe you out. 
And, and we're going to see here in a minute, in just a second, that, that that was not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. Habakkuk wanted to hear, uh, uh, what, what do we call it in, in war, uh, laser strikes. He, he, they wanted uh, laser-guided, he wanted laser-guided bombs, take these, this group out and this group out and these few and that one. And God said, no, what? No, no, I'm going to carpet bomb. It's, it's, it's all going because the evil is so rampant. Habakkuk then prays again. Um, are, you, are you not from eternity, Yahweh my God, my Holy One? You will not die, Lord. You appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent when one, when, while one is, who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You've made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine, marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans put them, uh, pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? Okay, so. God, what are you going to do? I'm going to wipe everybody out. God, are you sure that's what you want to do? You want to use these people? Even says, you want to use these people that are even more treacherous and evil than the ones you're wiping out to, to wipe them out? That's the question. It's, it's a great example, I believe, of, of a how we can pray. God, are, are you telling me to, you're telling me to do this. Are, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Habakkuk is a great book to pray about, back to God. When you're struggling with something and, the, and, the, and the, the, the end is just not what you want to happen, and yet you know in your heart that's what you, you need to do, pray the book of Habakkuk back to God. But why do we, why do we pray Scripture? Well, we're going to see th three things about praying Scripture. We're going to see that it's biblical, it's beneficial, and it's basic. See so what it did there? I did the whole preacher, first letter match, three points thing. It just worked out this week. It doesn't always work out. I don't force it usually, but uh, this week it did, so I felt really proud of that. First thing, it is biblical to pray Scripture. Habakkuk quoted a number of places in Scripture. Uh, in Habakkuk 1-2, when Habakkuk says, uh, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? or cry out to you about violence. He's quoting there, or very closely paraphrasing, Job chapter 19, verse 7. We're, we're familiar with Job, right? He had some issues in life. Uh, things didn't go the way that Job uh, thought they should. Um, he, he didn't do anything really to deserve it. But yet... In God's sovereignty, that's what happened in his life. So Job questioned. Job wondered. And in verse 19, uh, chapter 19 of verse 7, he says, I cry out violence, but get no response. What Habakkuk is saying in his verse 2 is, uh, cry out to you about violence, and you do not save. He, he's right there praying through prophecy or prophesying through prayer. The very words that Job had uttered earlier, much earlier, to God when he wondered about how things were going to heck 
in his life and how he was going to fix it, how things were going to uh, turn out. Habakkuk 1.12, he says, Are you from a, a turn, not from eternity, Yahweh my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Isaiah 27.6, and a smart man would have put little markers in his Bible so it was a little quicker to find these, but uh, unfortunately, that guy wasn't, wasn't here this week. Um, I'm going to try to get him on, get him on retainer for next week. Uh, Isaiah 27.26, except chapter 27 doesn't have 26 verses. That's why you get a guy who... Am I in Isaiah? It doesn't help that I can't see very well up here. Okay, well, I don't know which verse that was supposed to be. I should have checked on that one. 2 Samuel 7.14, I know that one's right. You don't have to turn to all these unless you're a lot quicker than I am because you practiced your Bible drills better than I did when you were 10. I don't know. I have no idea. I'll, 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 someday, sometime this week I'll go back and see where I screwed that one up. But uh, Verse 7, chapter 14 of 2 Samuel. Yeah, okay, I'm in the right spot. I will be a father to him. He will be a son to me. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a human rod and with blows from others. You hear that? You hear the, the discipline from others? And, and that's what... Uh, and now... I, can't remember where the verse was, but in Isaiah, it was Isaiah's answer to uh, one of the kings who was saying, how, how is this going to work out? And Isaiah says, I will use other people to, to discipline. In 2 Samuel, he says, I will use other people to discipline. And in verse 12, uh, Habakkuk says, you, you're appointed them to execute judgment, to, to discipline. You destined them to punish us. So here, Habakkuk is using a passage from somewhere in Isaiah, I promise. Uh, it's also in 2 Kings. Uh, it's it's a, a parallel passage in 2 Kings. And then this passage from uh, 2 Samuel as well. Verse 13, he says, "...your eyes are too pure to look on evil." You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Psalm 34 is the next one. Psalm's the big book, so it's easy to find, right? Psalm 34 is 15 through 17. I think I need to go to a giant print Bible. No, I've got it. No, I've got it. I just, uh, I feel like James up here during the revival. I actually have my contacts in, though, but they're a little twisted, so everything's blurry. Uh, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to erase all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. You hear the echo? Of verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate. But then he questions, why, why, do, you, why do you tolerate these that are treacherous? See, Habakkuk's asking the questions, honestly, that some of us don't want to ask. God, why are you doing what you're doing? Habakkuk was brave enough. And then Psalm chapter 10, 
verses 1, 2, and 15. But I want to read this, this whole thing to you as well because I want you to get the, uh, the whole image here of what David's saying. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Do you, do you, hear, the, you hear the echo? You cannot tolerate wrongdoing, so why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? David, uh, Habakkuk asks. So David asks the same thing. Why do you hide in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked relentlessly pursue the afflicted. Habakkuk said, why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent when one who is wicked swallows up who is more righteous than himself? They relentlessly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. And then just jump on to verse 15. Break the arm of the wicked and evil person. Call his wickedness into account until nothing remains of it. You hear the echoes of Habakkuk reaching back to Job and first, or Second Samuel, to Isaiah, a prophet that uh, only lived about a couple of hundred years before, uh, before Habakkuk did, reaching back to the Psalms of David. Habakkuk is praying Scripture. It is biblical to pray Scripture. It's also beneficial to pray Scripture. Because, for one thing, it has power. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that it has power. It says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through to the marrow, it says. It, it is a powerful weapon, Scripture is, the Word of God is. Jeremiah 28.29 says, Is not my word like fire? 23.29, eights and threes look a lot, whatever. Uh, 23.29, is not my word like fire? This is the Lord's declaration. And like a hammer that pulverizes rock. I mean, isn't, when you were a kid, how many of you used a rock to bust up hammers? I mean, no, you, that wouldn't work, would it? Used a hammer to bust up rocks. Y'all are lying, because I know you did, because your mama said don't, it's, it's going to fly in your eye and get it out. I know what happened. But it was fun, right? But, but what, the power of that hammer to break that rock, we, we see that. That's a visual we can understand. That is the same power in prayer, uh, uh, same power in God's Word, according to God's Word. So it's, it has power, God's Word does. There's power in God's Word. It, it's God's topic. Isaiah 1.18 said, Come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Scripture tells us to talk to God about things. And then he goes on to say, Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. They'll, he's talking about their salvation in that example. But what he is saying is, Come, let's discuss these topics. Let's discuss these things that I want to talk to you about. Well, what does God want to talk to us about? Scripture. Because if, if Scripture is our instruction for life, if Scripture is where we understand God's will, then when we go and talk to God, when we go and discuss with God, what are we going to discuss? Scripture. His instructions. His will. So we pray Scripture back to Him. And thirdly, under its beneficial, is the fact that it covers your concerns. In this particular case, uh, Proverbs 15, 17, 
would be a great scripture to to pray when you're praying for your finances. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened ox with hatred. See, we, we, we know we need certain things, but yet the scripture says... You know, sometimes there are things more important than, than what we think we need materially. So, it covers our concerns. And that's just one example. We can go to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that will cover whatever it is you are concerned about right now. Whatever you need to pray about, there is a Scripture that you can pray back to God about that need. And then finally, uh, under it's beneficial, it illuminates Scripture. It illuminates Scripture. As you pray Scripture, Scripture comes alive. As you speak Scripture back to God, you begin to understand that Scripture more deeply. You, you read it in your head, you know, you read silently, you miss things. But if you are praying that Scripture, there are parts that jump out at you and capture you. That's how it's beneficial. And then lastly, it's basic. Praying Scripture is just basic. Habakkuk did it. There are examples of David doing it. Praying in the Psalms back what Moses had said and what Abraham had said. Praying back the promises from there. David prayed. But it's, it's simple. It's easy to do. It's, it's basic. As you read Scripture, as you pray Scripture... Insert names in the place of pronouns. Maybe it's your name. Maybe it's somebody you're praying for. Where it says you and him and her and me and... Well, not me because usually that's God. Uh, but, but where it's the third person where Scripture is talking to the reader, put your name in there. Like, like a lot of evangelists will do when they quote John 3.16, For God so loved Michael that he gave his only son, that if Michael would just believe in him, he would have everlasting life. That's, that's what I mean by replacing proper names, or replacing pronouns with proper names. Pray that what you're reading will happen. You can do this with, with narrative. I mean, it's a little harder to pray the Gospels, because the Gospels are stories. But as you read the stories, as you, as you see what Jesus did and what Jesus said, as you read the promises that Jesus makes as he teaches, as you read the Sermon on the Mount and you see the principles that Jesus is laying out for how to live our best life now or, or whatever it might be in, in the Scripture or how to model prayer, read those that, praying that that would happen in your life. Lord, I pray that I would be persecuted for my faith. That my faith would be so strong that I would see, be so bold in my witness that I would be per persecuted and then could count it as joy. Rejoice knowing that my reward is in heaven. Pray that it would actually happen in your life. Personalize the Scripture in whatever way. This, this is, goes even further than just replacing the pronouns personalize it. Make it about you because it is about you. I mean, it, it's, it's about, let's not get past the fact that it is about the people it was written to, but it, some of the people that it was written to was us. It is about us. It is to us. It is just as alive 
and valuable today as it was when it was written 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 years ago. It is just as profitable. It is just as compelling. It is just as lovely now as it was then. So we can take that scripture and we can personalize it. Now here's the hard part for me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now I want everybody to turn there. So if you don't have your own Bible, pull one out of the rack in front of you. And it will be on either page... uh, 1156 or 1076. I'm making it very easy on, you, easy on you today. If you have one where on the spine it says NIV or New International Version from the pew, it's going to be that first number, I think, 1156. And if you have one that says Holman Christian Standard on the spine, it's going to, say, it's going to be on page number 1076. But I want you to see the, the Scripture. It was too much to put on the screen. Otherwise, I'd have it up there for you. But it was too long. I want you to see the scripture that I will be praying. And I want you to see how to do it. I want to model this for you. Now, like I said, this is, this is something that, that I would not normally do in front of people. Uh, and my prayers generally in front of people are a bit more general and less specific. Uh, at least about me, you know, uh, my really specific prayers, they're all in my head. I got news for you. Um, This is praying scripture. And like I said, I don't do enough of it. And even yesterday when I was reading through this passage, uh, it's convicting that I don't do enough of it. It's convicting that this passage speaks and it, this, the, only, the reason I picked this passage is this is the passage that I'll be preaching from for the next seven or six or seven weeks as we go through the gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, that I'll, you'll hear about at the invitation. So this is that passage that we will be, that we'll be studying starting uh, April 17th. We'll start that. But this is how you would pray scripture. Remember, one of the things I said was replace the prote- pronouns. So I would pray this scripture like this. And Michael was dead in my trespasses. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. I, I previously walked in these things. God, I, 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 unfortunately, I still walk in some of these things. According to the ways of this world, God, I don't, I don't follow you even now, like I should, I, I still am, am tempted and, and, and torn. And it's according to this, this ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens. God, I, my old life was, a, was led by somebody else. I'm, I'm now a new creature. I'm a new creation. There's somebody else in charge of me, and yet I still fight against it, don't I? It's this, this ruler who exercises authority, the, the spirit, it's now working in the disobedient. Once I was a part of him, I was his, God. I, uh, and like I said, I do that too much now, too. And he's working in the disobedient, but isn't that me way too often? 
we all, all of us, Lord, my church, my family, we too, all of us previously lived uh, among those who are unfortunately still lost. When we were fulfilling our fleshly desires, we were, God, we, I was carried on by uh, my inclinations. Again, God, help me that, that I don't stand up to those now. These inclinations of our flesh, my thoughts, and I was under wrath just because of who I was, just like everybody else. But God, thank you. God, you are rich in mercy toward me. Not, not because of my worthiness, but Lord, because of, in spite of my worthlessness. It was because of your great love, God, that you had for me, that you made me alive with the Messiah, even though I was dead in my trespasses. I am saved by grace. God, thank you that you saved me, not because of anything I did or, or didn't do, but because of your grace. Together with Christ Jesus, I... I am raised. I'm raised up. God, I am, because of my, my being united with Jesus, I'm seated in the heavens. Gosh, you raised, I, I am, I'm like Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not good enough, I'm not that good, but because of his blood, Together with Christ Jesus, God, you raised me up and seated me in the heavens. I'm already there. So, if, you've, if I've lost you, verse 7. So, that in the coming ages, we're going to get to see everything I'm going to get to see, everything that God has for me, the, the immeasurable riches of, of His grace. And I, I, I have to stop here and say it's incredible that I get more. I mean, isn't really salvation enough, God? And I don't thank you enough just for that. But through God's kindness to us because of Jesus. I'm seated up there now. I am considered holy. That's pretty impressive. Because I'm not. But that's okay because, I mean, it's not okay that I'm not holy. But verse 8, I've been saved by grace through faith. It was God's grace. It was His unmerited favor. It was me getting what I didn't deserve by faith. I, I put my faith and, I tr and my trust in that. There was a day when I did that. Lord, thank you for that day 30 years ago when I trusted you. And it doesn't depend on me. And that's immediately going to make me think if my salvation then didn't depend on me, then keeping my salvation now doesn't depend on me. So in my sinfulness now, in my struggle with flesh now, God, you still hold me. You still save me. And it's not, it's not up to me. It's not my works. 
whether I preach a good sermon this Sunday or a bad one that doesn't affect my salvation. Whether I fall off the wagon, whatever the wagon is this week or, or, or not, that doesn't, doesn't affect my salvation. God, you have, you have saved me. And I can't brag to anybody about how good I am because there's, really there's, there's nothing I did. But I have a responsibility, God. Verse 10. I'm yours. I'm bought. Through grace. By grace, through faith. I'm yours. I'm, I'm your creation. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The whole plan for me all along was good works. So God, the, the good sermon is important because you planned for me to... to my, my, my purpose in life is, is to share the gospel, to share your message from your word. So not just the sermon, but Lord, every day, good works, obedience, those are my calling. You have prepared for me so long before to walk in good works. And Lord, I am convicted that I don't walk in them like I should. I'm not the creation that I feel like I should be. But there's still grace. I'm still yours. My works don't save me. My works don't keep me. So Lord, thank you that you hold me. And Lord, help me to live more the life I should of good works that you have set me apart for, that you planned for me, that are my obligation, that are my responsibility, but yet I don't do them well, for whatever reason. It's not comfortable or, you know, family's coming or something. Some reason I have for not doing it. Lord, forgive me that I am not who I am supposed to be, who I have been set apart to be from the beginning of time. Because of your grace. See? <laughs> it's tough to read Scripture and, and to, to see yourself. Scripture says Scripture is a mirror. And the Bible is a mirror. And it will, it will show you who you are. And if I live up to the uh, live up to verse 10 of, of living the, the, the good works that I should, that God created me to be a part of ahead of time. If I'm living up to that, that mirror is going to show that to me as I read and as I pray Scripture. But unfortunately, this morning, maybe I don't like the mirror image that I see. And maybe you don't either, and that's good you know, it's okay to read Scripture and feel bad about yourself. That's okay. Because I, I get to the end at verse 10, and I, and, and I realize I've got work to do. But I, I go back to verse 8, and I find the joy of knowing that I'm saved by grace, not my works. So while I have the responsibility, while I have the, 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 the call to obedience I also know that I have the assurance that I'm saved. So you see 
Hopefully that, that showed you, hopefully you could follow what I was doing there. Uh, I, I didn't plan it out. I didn't write anything. I really just wanted it to be me as closely as possible without all of my confessions here before you. Reading, praying scripture. E.M. Bounds, uh, uh, a pastor from the late 1800s, said this about, uh, about scripture and its power. He said, The word of God is the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed and by which things are mightily moved. God has committed himself, his purpose, and his promise to prayer. His word becomes the basis, the inspiration of our praying, and there are circumstances under which by importunate or consistent or uh, continual prayer, we may obtain an enlargement of his promises. By praying scripture, Bound says, we understand God. We bring our desires to him, but then we see that it's an enlargement of our understanding. Just like a lot of those quotes up there in the video right before I started preaching, that, that prayer isn't about getting, it's, it's about communion. It, it isn't about, God, I want this and need this, and if you don't do it, you're not a good God. It's about, God, I want this, I want this, I need this, and God, if I don't get it, then I understand something new about you today that I didn't understand yesterday, and I rejoice in the fact that I know you better now, and you know what I need all the time. That's praying Scripture. But we've got to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, right? I can, I can read Scripture. I can pray it all day long. But until I have that relationship with Jesus, the Scripture is, is, is dull to me. It, it doesn't make sense. My, my, my knowledge, my abilities are not tuned to, to godly things without Jesus Christ. So this morning, we are going to go through the gospel. What is the gospel? It is that God has certain characteristics. That sin is offensive. The offense of sin. God's character, the offense of sin. S, sufficiency of Christ. I'll just put Russell on the spot. P, personal response, E, eternal urgency, and L, life transformation. You see, my life is less than it should be. Yours might be too. As a matter of fact, if I represented my life here and everything I had done was contained in this phone, all of my good works, all of my bad works, everything was right here, I would... I wouldn't want you to read it. I'm trying to get the screen to go off. But if I had all that contained there, and, and, and let's say it's yours too, and you have to think about how does that relate to God, God's character. Well, God is holy. God is just. God loves you. God loves me. God loves me in spite of my sin. So much so 
that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But that sin is a barrier between me and God. So God sent His Son, Jesus, to die because the offense of our sinfulness did not let us get to God. So He sent Jesus, who was fully sufficient to die for us. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus took our sins. And he was perfect, so he could. He, he didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve our sins, but God laid them on him. And then he rose three days later, went to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and today he is calling you, asking you to turn. See, the sin problem's gone, right? It's taken care of, but you must provide a personal response. It is by grace that we're saved through faith. We have to have faith. We have to have a personal response and trust Jesus. And you may be thinking, I've got a day or two left. I've got a week or so. I've got a few months. I don't want to today. I don't, it's just not, it's not clicking with me today. E, eternal urgency. You don't have tomorrow. This may be the time of your decision for eternity. You may not make it home. So there is an eternal urgency for you to make a decision for Christ today. And if you don't make a decision, you've made a decision. See, that's the way it works. And so we trust Christ. We come to him and say, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I trust you to take my sins away. We have to have that personal response. I can have faith in something all day long. I can tell you that pew will hold me up, but if I never sit down in it, I don't have faith in it, do I? Jesus is the same way. You can say you've come to church all your life. You can say that, oh, I believe who Jesus is. You can say all those things, but until you have placed your faith in Him and trust Him for your salvation, you've not experienced that salvation. And then there is a life transformation that happens. And maybe you look back on a time where you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, you got dunked, you did something, but there has never been a life transformation then maybe we need to re-examine that and say, did you, have you trusted Christ or were you trusting membership or were you trusting baptism? The gospel is real. The gospel is necessary and the gospel is calling out to you today in power to trust Jesus as your Savior. Maybe there's some scriptures you need to pray like, call in the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Like, Whoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth will be saved. Maybe those are some scriptures you need to pray today and trust Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have provided your scripture, not just as struct in his instruction, not just as, as a guide, not just as even a revelation of who you are, but as an opportunity to, for us to, to pray it back to you, to turn it back to you, to examine ourselves through it during prayer with you. Lord, and to know you and know your salvation through it. God, this morning I pray that we would pray the scriptures 
from Romans, knowing that all have sinned and fall short. No, but I've sinned and fall short. And my, my, my wage for that sin is death. But you provided a gift to me of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You poured out your love for me that while I was a sinner, you, died, you sent Jesus to die for me. That if I will just call on the name of the Lord, I'll be saved. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. God, that is, a, that is a prayer of Scripture for salvation. And I pray this morning somebody prays that prayer. Lord, move in hearts today. God, speak to us and save somebody. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, life transformation, that's the L. Well, that's what happens next. If you feel like that's what you need to do, if, if the gospel made sense to you, if these scriptures from Romans are what you need to pray this morning, come and tell me about it. Maybe you want to wait till after the service, that's fine too, but come and tell me about it. And then let's together move forward in life transformation, accepting Christ, being baptized, committing to Him more and more in a life of holiness. Maybe you're a Christian and you need to do that. Maybe, maybe the scripture I prayed to you this morning, I actually prayed to God, but in front of you this morning, spoke to you too, and, and you're not at verse 10 yet. You're not living the life of good works that you know God has prepared for you, and you need to get that straight. You want to talk to me, you want me to pray with you, I'd be happy to do it, but the altar is open for you as well. Be used by God. Join First Baptist. Whatever it is this morning, you come and you do business with God. And let's see life transformation in this place this morning. Let's stand and sing.